1: Across the Gulf South, it's seven a.m. Time to wake up on Capital Community Media.
2: Good morning. You're listening to Wake Up on this beautiful Friday morning. You are tuning your heart to the truth. I'm Gabby Smith, along with the one and only Damian Colado. Hey, Damian. Good Happy morning. Friday. Happy Friday
3: to you. Mardi Gras weekend coming up, girl.
2: Woohoo! You ready? Ooh. Exciting. I am. I love Mardi Gras.
3: Yeah, I've been oh, ready. Yeah. Are you? I, I, oh, yeah, I'm ready. I, I don't know if I'll make a parade, but I guarantee you I'm ready. I, I love this time mm-hmm. of year, and I know it's gets us fired up for the Lenten season. I even like the Lenten season. A lot of people you know, feel like they got to get depressed or sad. I look forward to it because it allows me to, to grow a little closer to our Lord. So uh, yeah. just like uh, St. Jerome, who is the feast day today, St. Jerome Emiliani. A good a paisan so we're going to offer up a prayer <laughs> for his intercession in the name of the father son holy spirit amen pray for us that we may never miss the opportunity to serve god through service to my brothers and sisters in christ pray that we may be as faith faithful to servant of god as you were saint jerome pray for us in the name of the father son holy spirit amen
2: Amen. We have a wonderful lineup for you today, starting off at seven after Derek Riles joins Damien in the Baton Rouge studio. He's with the Diocese of Baton Rouge Catholic Charities. And this takes me back. We're talking about the CRS Rice Bowl. So it's it's we're getting to that time of year. I don't know about you guys, but our rice bowl was always in the middle of like the counter or the kitchen or anything. So every time we had some money left, or we would put it in the rice bowl and fill it up and bring it to school. And it was like bursting at the seams with change. So we're going to talk about this uh, with Derek today and how we can give back this Lenten season. In 18 minutes, Danny Fitzpatrick joins us. He's a Catholic artist over at the St. Louis and Ith Art Society. Today, he will be diving into the winter edition of Joie de Vivre. In 35 minutes, Nicole Jones joins us. She's a digital media manager and secretariat for communications in the Diocese of Baton Rouge. She has a Baton Rouge diocesan update. It's always a wonderful time with Nicole. And in 48 minutes, Dan Leroy joins us. He's a Catholic artist. And he has a new book called Why We Think What We Think. So we're going to be really getting those brains moving this morning. Uh, getting those wheels turning with Dan. So looking forward to today's wonderful guests. And Damian, looking forward to your weekend weather report. What? Do you I, have for us? Yeah,
3: I think most people are. Today it's going to be cloudy mixed with some sunshine. That's the good news. And should be an overall nice day with less than a 10% chance of rain. Winds are still out of the south at about 10 to 15 15 so a nice warm breeze high today 79 pretty cool to say the least low 63 as far as mardi gras weekend saturday should be okay overcast with uh, rain moving in late in the day so the early going parade should be fine high again 79 then on sunday 60 percent chance of showers with a possible thunderstorm wind still blowing at 10 to 15 out of the south high will be in the upper 70s bring rain gear with you that's the best suggestion i can give you for uh sunday which is always the best day for parades in in new orleans and on monday uh the rain clears out and early morning and then it's going to be chilly high of 59 and for mardi gras day just plum perfect 64 degrees is the high and no rain so we will have a great weekend when it's all said and done temperatures in and around the area everybody pushing close to 62 degrees except in Covington it's 59 so uh, there you have it for your temperatures and your forecast for Mardi Gras weekend uh, when we come back we're going to be talking to a gentleman by the name of Daryl Riles and also we got tickets to give away here on Wake Up
4: Good Friday morning, I'm Father Chris Decker, and today's gospel is taken from Mark chapter 7. Jesus left the district of Tyre and went by way of Sidon to the Sea of Galilee into the district of the Decapolis. And people brought to him a deaf man who had a speech impediment and begged him to lay his hand on him. He took him off by himself away from the crowd. He put his finger into the man's ears and spitting touched his tongue. Then he looked up to heaven and groaned and said to him, "Ephatha." that is, be opened. And immediately the man's ears were opened, his speech impediment was removed, and he spoke plainly. He ordered them not to tell anyone, but the more he ordered them not to, the more they proclaimed it. They were exceedingly astonished, and they said, he has done all things well. He makes the deaf hear, and the mute speak. And thank you for that gospel, Father Chris
3: Decker. It is 8 after the hour on this Friday morning. It's already February the 9th, if you can believe that. This month already (laughs) rolling right along as well. But we're so glad you could join us. And with us now in studio is Derek Riles. He is the Faith and Community Partnership Coordinator at Catholic Charities in the Diocese of Baton Rouge. Here to discuss the one and only Rice Bowl. Hey, and I'm not talking about a football game. I'm talking about something we can all do, especially during this Lenten season. Good morning, Derek. Hey, good morning, Damien. Thanks for, thanks for inviting right. me. All right. So, the Rice Bowl has been around since I was a kid going to Mass. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad to see it still exists. I don't see it as frequently anymore in all church parishes, but it sounds like something that's going to happen and be pretty uh, evident in the Diocese of Baton Rouge for sure, right?
4: Yeah, that's right. Participating uh, schools and churches are going to hand out those rice bowls just like you saw as a kid and get those out to people to raise up money for the poor. So let's tell everyone what the rice
3: bowl is to begin with uh, and and what to look for when they get to church. Uh, And will it begin this week? weekend or next weekend? I believe it's going to be uh, next weekend. Okay. So what are, what are we looking for? Because if I remember, you had to put it together and everything. Yeah, yeah. of course. That yeah. was kind of fun. <laughs> but go
4: ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're just going to get those from your, your local church or school, pick those up, put them together, assemble. Um, and, but it's really an initiative of Catholic Relief Services, um, which uh, fights – essentially hunger on a global level, um, but a lot of those proceeds are going to come back home, about 25% of that is going to come back home to Catholic Charities, and they're going to fund some of the, the services that we have there.
3: So the monies are, go to the National Catholic Relief Services, I guess, and then they in turn disperse
4: throughout the country as well as foreign countries as needed? That's right, yeah. So so at the end of Lent, uh, you'll get that money to your local parish or school, um, and then they'll distribute that uh, to Catholic Relief Services nationally, uh, mm-hmm. but a, a, lo- a large portion of that's going to also stay home. Do you know offhand how much money is raised on an annual
3: basis from that? I mean, I know that's a, putting you on the spot a little bit, but I'm just wondering, it's got to be millions
4: of dollars. Certainly, probably so.
3: Yeah, and so where will they go again on a local level, since that that's really going to be your responsibility?
4: Yeah, in yeah. So, so in, uh, in in our diocese, it's going to go to ca- our, our agency, Catholic Charities, um, and it's going to end up funding those mission-critical um, ministries that we have that are donor-support-driven. Uh, mm-hmm. So things like our um, Sanctuary for Life, which helps to um, stabilize and to provide for homeless pregnant women. Um, it's also going to help with our Foster Grandparents Program. Lots mm. of people are hit with... Uh, uh, inflation and mm-hmm. lots of single grandmas uh, yeah. helping to helping them to raise their kids by um, providing them resources, and of course we have our our mobile food pantry in places like. St. Helena and Point Capi, Donaldsonville, places that really have some of the highest rates of hunger in the country. It's going to go uh, to really helping them uh, to, to get food and, and resources. Nice. So
3: talk about your role overall outside of the rice bowl uh, responsibility. What is it that you are responsible for day in and day out within the diocese?
4: Yeah, yeah. So for I work for Catholic Charities, of course, um, and so I wrangle a lot of volunteers. Uh, I also function as the volunteer coordinator there. So I, I'm really always soliciting, uh, trying to bring in uh, volunteers for our agency to help fund those programs that I just mentioned. So not just giving them money, but but giving uh, those programs the people they need to run and to function.
3: Yeah, that's right. You never think about the time aspect or the people power that you need Oh, for sure
4: uh is it
3: difficult right now because i know in the labor force they're having a hard time
4: finding people what's it like from a volunteer aspect yeah no we're definitely uh, always in need um for uh, for volunteers um it's it, it, it is difficult because you know many people work um many people um are busy um with families and the like that would like to mm-hmm. um we have um, ministries that they can support that are, are available in time slots that are more um, agreeable to their schedules. But yeah, so a lot of, a lot of our opportunities are open and, and really in need, I guess. And, and not always labor-intensive, right? Oh, not, not at all, no. Certainly uh, sim- everything from simple clerical work to, um, to, again, like boxing food for our mobile food pantry mm-hmm. uh, to providing you know, resources for um, those shelters I talked about. Now you've been in this position just a few months, right? Yeah, about three months now. Three months,
3: but tell everybody uh, about the fact that uh, how you got to this position in in a nutshell. And we've got about a minute to, to go. But I'd love your story. And
4: so, sure, uh, you were discerning to be a priest. I was, yeah, yeah. Studying to be a priest for the diocese of Alexandria. Uh, went to our local regional cemetery, seminary, uh, Notre Dame in New Orleans. Great experience. And ended up uh, discerning, um, maybe it's not my call, to Mm -hmm. uh, became a high school teacher to try to, again, like kind of live out that that country song axiom, uh, to live a life I could hang my hat on, (laughs) you know, Uh, so I thought I'd make a difference there. Did it for about a year. Um, Great experience up there in Caldwell Parish. Um, And then ended up, yeah, finding my way here to the Diocese of Baton Rouge and through Providence to to Catholic Charities, which has been a remarkable experience and uh, gives me that opportunity to make a difference.
3: Well, I know you're going to be doing some good work. One last question. When it comes to the Rice Bowls, do parishes need to reach out to you for them, or are you getting them to all the church parishes in the diocese?
4: Yeah, so— a lot of our parishes are participating and therefore people who, who want to give to Catholic Relief Services uh, to support these, uh, these uh, opportunities here in the diocese, they can go to their local churches. If their church is not participating, uh, they can go to crsricebowl.org and give online. Uh-huh. Uh, so long as they hit that drop down for Diocese of Baton Rouge, it'll go directly to us. Okay. And then if they're looking for um, resources on how to volunteer, how to help with our agency, or just more information, they can go to catholiccharitiesbr.org.
3: Derek Rouse, thank you for being with us this morning. Happy Mardi Gras to you. Thank you. All righty. Gabby, fullness of truth. We got some tickets we want to give away, don't we?
2: Yes, today is quite special. We are giving away two Priority Pass tickets to the upcoming Fullness of Truth conference taking place in Alexandria, February 23rd through the 25th. Priority Pass includes special reserve conference seating, a special Q&A lunch with the speakers. It's valued at $150 apiece. To win these tickets, you can call our studio at 225 448 Three seven five four, or comment in the comment section for today's Facebook Live video that's Wake Up Friday. Just say, I want the tickets, and we'll send those to you. It is 15 past the hour on Wake Up.
0: This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for February 9th. Today we celebrate Saint Jerome Emiliani. There's nothing like personal suffering to help us appreciate the hardships of others. It took defeat in battle and imprisonment in a dungeon to help today's saint step back, review his life, and make the transition from worldly soldier to model of sanctity and service. Following his release from prison, Jerome focused on the care and education of his nephews while simultaneously pursuing seminary studies himself. Following his ordination in 1518, he reached out to the growing number of orphans as famine and plague raged through northern Italy. After recovering from the plague himself, he founded many orphanages. He also established hospitals and a house for repentant prostitutes, one of the first of its kind. Jerome went on to found a small congregation of priests dedicated to the care of orphans. He also instructed his young charges in the faith, but it was the suffering of children that most touched his heart. In 1928, Pope Pius XI named him the patron of orphans and abandoned children. Jerome Emiliani died in 1537 from an infectious disease he contracted while caring for the sick. He was canonized just over 100 years later. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day.
3: Welcome back to Wake Up, 18 after the hour on this Friday morning. Gabby Smith, along with yours truly, Damian Collado, so glad you could join us. And we want to remind you, again, we were kind of rushed at the end of that last break. We are giving away two priority pass tickets to the Fullness of Truth Conference. It's going to be held February 23rd and 25th, just a couple of weeks away, at the Randolph Riverfront Center in Alexandria, Louisiana. The conference is entitled Real Presence, Real Power, the Eucharistic Life, and the Science of Sainthood," And Gabby, pretty good lineup of speakers to say the least.
2: That's right, Matthew Leonard, uh, Michael, Dr. Michael Barber, Dr. Brant Petrie, Aaron Franco, and uh, music by the Josh Blakesley Band. These tickets are valued at $150 apiece, and it includes special reserve conference seating, a gift bag, and a Saturday Q&A lunch with the speakers. To win these tickets, you call our studios at 225 448 3754 or you can go to our Facebook live video and comment right now. I want the tickets.
3: You hear that? I want the tickets. I want them, but I can't win them. But mm-hmm. you can. So uh, mm-hmm. ring the phone or go to Facebook and put that in, and you'll have two Priority Pass tickets. Right now, speaking of a priority, we have Danny Fitzpatrick. He's a Catholic artist, and he's here to chat with about with us about the winter edition of the Joie de Vie, a beautiful magazine. And Danny, good morning. How are you?
5: Good morning. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me.
3: Love the cover of this particular issue, oh, um, man. It's—I uh, I think it's titled "Flight into Egypt." Share with everyone because there's a story about the cover. You don't see that too often in in publications.
5: Yes, absolutely. So the uh, the cover of this one uh, is actually uh, so it's a it's based on an icon uh, written by my wife Grace, who's a uh, traditional Byzantine. Uh, iconographer uh, among other things uh, but yeah this was uh, she originally did this this image as a commission uh for a friend um and it's a really tender image right um describing uh this passage of the holy family uh into egypt after the the threat of king herod mm-hmm. um and you see this it's this uh just this really tender moment of uh you know mary riding on the donkey uh, and baby Jesus uh, riding on Saint Joseph's shoulders and kind of reaching out for Mary. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just this this wonderful, uh, delightful human moment, um, and yeah, just just so uh, so rich in, in joy, which is kind of what we're uh, what we're all about.
3: Well, and and it is a beautiful image and one that you don't see too of. It almost even though it's uh, oh, I, how how can I say it? Uh, and uh, animation of sorts, or cartoonish, mm-hmm. uh, because it it is artwork. Uh, I love the. It kind of brings in some reality. Uh, I I just saw recently yeah. uh, uh, Mother Mary holding Jesus, uh, baby Jesus, and they were laughing. You don't see that. Mm-hmm. I, when you, I, I mm-hmm. saved that photo because to me, I said, man, that that's Christ at his happy moment, as well as Mary. They never they're they're always depicted as somber and serious mm-hmm. in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. So I love. Real life uh, uh, depictions. By the way, you and Grace ever get into uh, major discussions about art? Considering the fact that uh, you both uh, produce uh, and have a gift. I mean, like conflicts sometimes.
5: (laughs) Uh, Every now and then, uh, we we have we have conflicts sometimes about uh, about certain Jane Austen novels. Oh. uh, Which We both love Jane Austen, but uh, we're on very different sides of the Mansfield Park debate, uh, which is very niche. Uh, but, yeah, we, we have a lot of fun. Many, many, many great conversations, uh, both with our children and then especially after they go to sleep in the evenings.
3: Yes. So tell everyone what the publication is really made up of and why they really need to get it, because it focuses on art, our culture, and, and letters from South Louisiana, doesn't it?
5: Yes, Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things I love about Joie de Vivre is that we just have such a a fun and interesting and exciting blend of work that's included. Um, So, you know, as you said, we kind of hit all those segments of of the things that go into making culture, right? So um, writing about sort of the, the particular things that are going on in South Louisiana, our parishes, our food, our people. Uh, but then looking, you know, interviewing different artists, uh, publishing short stories and poetry from both uh, local and nationally recognized uh, poets and artists. Um, in this issue in particular, some of the things that I, I really enjoyed were, um, so just kind of on the on a more national level, mm-hmm. I have a really wonderful uh, interview with, with Manny Marquez, who's a, yes. a filmmaker. He's done a lot of work with Word on Fire, um, Bishop Barron. Uh-huh. Um, so it was really interesting to hear his kind of story of the way that his art and his faith life have, have worked together and converged. Yeah. Um, we had a a piece by, uh, Dr. Chris Baglow, um, who's at Notre Dame now, uh, in, in Indiana, but was at Notre Dame seminary here in New Orleans for many years. Um, that's a, a really lovely reflection on, uh, Pope Benedict and his theology and kind of the uh, the tenderness that went along with his really deeply uh, theological and philosophical approach to faith.
3: Yeah, quite uh, often people think. I mean, oh, I they hear Pope Benedict and they think everything's going to go over their head because man, he was sharp as a tack, very uh, educated. But this article really shows you the the loving side of him.
5: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and gets, and kind of looks at, uh, you know, what are some of the, the misconceptions mm-hmm. you know, that, that people have about him? Um, another, another great, uh, essay on say Thomas Aquinas. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, uh, a, a really tender reflection on the beauty of the outdoors, uh, and just this, this short sort of, uh, memoir piece about hunting. Um, and, uh, well, yeah, you got wonderful the, short
3: story, poetry. Something, if the folks in the New Orleans area, I love the article about St. Peter Claver Catholic Church. It, oh, yeah. It, you, yeah. You can't really forget that one. Share there. with everyone what that is about. The You know, I love the way it starts out with the steeples and you, everything's close. Yeah. You know what I'm getting at, but people don't. But they got to read the article like I did so, to learn. But go ahead and <laughs> tell everybody where it's Absolutely. at.
5: Absolutely. So that is— um, Uh, So that article was written for us by the pastor down at St. Peter Claver, which is in the Treme. Mm
4: -hmm.
5: Um, But Father Johnny Gibson uh, just did did a really wonderful job kind of taking us through the history of St. Peter Claver, um, which is one of our, you know, really beautiful uh, black parishes uh, here in New Orleans. Um, He tells us about the history of the parish, uh, many of the, the challenges that the parish has faced, uh, both with just sort of ordinary financial challenges and then some of the some of the challenges of uh, of dealing with with racism and the history of segregation and things like that, uh, he takes us through the artwork and the mm-hmm. beautiful song that makes up such a part of of the fabric of the parish yeah um, and it's it 's just a a really wonderful and eye opening piece that that I hope will serve as an as an invitation to uh more folks to, to go down there and, and see the the beautiful life that is that is thriving down there.
3: Yeah, one other article about someone I never knew or heard of, and it's uh, the art and the life of Carol Scott, imaging of the yes. soul.
5: Oh yes, yeah, that's a uh, I, I had so I wrote that uh, <laughs> that piece. <laughs> I know uh, you did. And had just a wonderful time. Um, so Ka- Carol is a she's a professor uh, emerita at uh, Holy Cross University on the West bank. Um, and she's just, she's someone who's just an extraordinary artist. Uh, one of these people who kind of is just constantly creating, um, and has such a, such a love for the face and such a love for her family. Uh, and is so, so welcoming, uh, to sort of everyone around her. It's just, it's, it's been really beautiful to meet her and get to just be inspired by her, frankly.
3: Yeah. And uh, she's in the backyard. She's in our own backyard.
5: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, she's uh, she's right right here in Metairie.
3: Yeah, and uh, now I know there's your annual event, third annual St. Louis the Ninth Art Society. Uh, you're going to be having your art lecture coming up. Share every, with everyone what yeah, that is about, absolutely. where to go, and what they have to do if they want to attend.
5: Yes, so that is uh, next Thursday um, at uh, Notre Dame Seminary at Schulte Auditorium uh, at seven p.m. The lecture is going to be given by Dr. Caitlin Smith Gilson, um, who is a, a really wonderful uh, philosopher poet. Um, she's a professor at uh, Holy Cross University as well, but she also teaches in in Rome during the summers, and um, just a really uh, extraordinary person. Um, but I, I can't wait to hear what she uh, what she has to say for us. Um, yeah, I say this is the third year of this lecture, and it's mm-hmm. been a really wonderful experience each time. Um, so yeah, I would just encourage people. Uh, seven PM uh, next Thursday, uh, so right after, right, right, right at the start of Lent here. Uh, Come on out to Notre Dame Seminary at seven PM, and uh, I'll be out there. A lot of us from the from the Art Society will be there. And, of course, we can't wait to hear what uh, Dr. Gilson has to say for us.
3: Yeah, at the Schulte Auditorium. And any, do you have to buy tickets, or it's open to the public?
5: It is open to the public. Um, there may be an option. If you go on our, on our website, uh, that's sl9art.org, um, there may be an option to register. Um, but it, I think even if you can't do that, we're we're not going to turn you away at the door. So.
3: Okay. SL9art, A-R-T, dot org. And that's where they can also subscribe to the Joie de Vie, right?
5: Yes, they can find a link there. They can also go directly to the JDV uh, website. That's jdvjournal.com.
3: All right. Well, Danny yeah, Fitzpatrick. Course. Yeah, thank you so much. As always, thanks for being with us. Continue your good work and happy Mardi Gras to you, pal.
5: All right. Happy Mardi Gras.
3: Okay. Nicole Jones is coming up next. She is the Digital Media Manager and Secretariat for the Communications Department at the Diocese of Baton Rouge. Still waiting to have that phone ring. We've got tickets to give away. Don't hesitate. Call now.
2: It is 35 past the hour. You are tuning your heart to the truth. I'm Gabby Smith along with Damian Clotto. Our next guest is Nicole Jones. Nicole is a digital media manager and secretariat for communications in the Diocese of Baton Rouge. Hey, Nicole, good morning.
1: Good
6: morning. Happy Friday.
2: Happy Friday to you. It's been a wonderful week, and we are still reminiscing on Catholic Schools Week. Um, Tell us a little bit about how the Diocese of Baton Rouge celebrated not only our educators, the parents who put their children in Catholic schools, and the children and all of those who are involved in
6: Catholic schools. (laughs) Let me tell you, I love Catholic Schools Week because there's nothing (laughs) like being around all the kids. You know, like there's something that's just, an immediate joy of being around all the little kids. You get to hear them sing in the choir. You know, it, it's just the sweetest thing. And so the diocese, we have three main events that happen throughout Catholic Schools Week. The Catholic Schools Week Mass, which I mean, it's, it's incredible, I always love. I mean, I went to Catholic school my whole life in the Diocese of Baton Rouge. So, you know, I get to see people that I know, people who educated me, which was awesome. But I mean, you get to see students from all of our schools. And we have 29 schools, you know, like all come together, all the students, all the teachers, um, different principals, people who have taught. We had two um, two people that worked at Catholic High and St. Joseph's that have worked for 50 years, both individually, so like 100 oh. years of service between the two of them. It was incredible, you know? So that was so much fun. We had the Distinguished Graduates Banquet, which is whenever every school nominates someone who is a distinguished graduate from their school, and they come and receive an award and have um, a meal for them with their principal, with different faculty from the school. And then we had the Showcase of Art and Talent last Friday, and it was the second one that we did. We did it last year was the first year, this year was the second year, and it got even bigger. And so we had students who had brought art to the school. I think it was St. Alphonsus. They had their whole little art club that came, you know, it was really sweet. We had either like six to eight choirs that came, like the St. Michael's Jazz Band, I mean, little school choirs with little, Mm. little itty bitties. And then there even was a robotics club that came. And so it was so cool that. to see all these kids showcasing their talent, um, and then just hear their little sweet voices singing too. It was the sweetest way to start off, or I guess end a week, oh but start goodness. off in the morning. so.
2: Oh my! And of course, the parents love to see that as well, and they love to see what their children are doing, whether it's singing or it's art or it's robotics and constructing things and really getting into the STEM part of uh, of the curriculum over at Catholic schools. That is absolutely incredible, and it just shows how special it is to put your child in Catholic schools, especially in the Diocese of Baton Rouge. Let's kind of change gears because, of course, that was a while ago, but I want to switch to uh, what you do, which is social media. So if you go to the diocese of baton rouge social media accounts that is all nicole nicole does a wonderful job with really um, getting people engaged reaching people uh who need to hear about what the diocese is about talk about social media in today's time and how catholics can really get engaged in social media and realize that there is a positive part of it as well
6: oh yeah i I love social media. I understand that there are obviously some some qualms with it, which I mean, it comes with everything. Every invention kind of has, you know, something with it. But there is a beauty specifically in Catholic social media that I really do love. It's a great evangelization tool. Um, it's a great way to encounter new people. Um, also, encounter the people that you know, because you know, some people they don't want to have friends that they don't know. They just have their their friends they know in real life, and but it's still a way to share the gospel in such a beautiful way. Mm. Um, and then with my job at the diocese, you know, I have the opportunity to do that on a grander scale and create things for people to desire to share and want to be a part of. Um, and so we're even doing that with Lent this year, which I'm really excited about. So, yeah, that's that's my little yeah. spiel. I'm sure I could talk about it for much longer. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, and I know a lot of people give up social media for Lent, but on the flip side, if you're not giving up social media for Lent, maybe one day for the next 40 days, once Lent starts, sharing something on your story that has something to do with the scripture for the day, um, or a Lenten message, or something that can really be uplifting, because You know, Nicole, we have so many people who look at our stories when we post and people Mm -hmm. who we've probably never talked to or people we haven't talked to in a long time. They're reading that message. So that's something that maybe we could do on the flip side of that as well during Lent, but maybe some other ways too during Lent. Can you tell us what the Diocese of Baton Rouge is doing as far as social media for those 40 days?
6: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So last year was, I don't know. I think last year was like a great Lent for me. I had just going into it like this idea of like going through the wilderness and then whenever we got to Easter, it was going to be like going through the garden. So pretty much for 90 days, I had content just overflowing of like the wilderness and then like the garden, scriptural basis, all of that. And so I did really like the having the theme that we had last year. And so I knew that I wanted to go into Lent this year with a theme as well. But I was trying to figure out what it was going to be. And even before, like December of last year, I was thinking of Lent because that's how social media managers think. You know, we're never in the liturgical season that's actually taking place. And so I was thinking about it, praying about it. And this idea of going back to basics just kept coming up and kept coming up. And so, you know, I come back to work in January and I was like, okay, I think I'm going to go back to basics. Like everything is going to be like prayer, fasting, almsgiving. And then I was like contacting people to do videos and you know, just like people were discerning, like, you know, I don't really, I don't know if I want to do that. Like, I don't know if I I feel called to do that. And I was like, okay, Lord, you are obviously trying to get me to do something. What are you trying to get me to do? And it just hit me. I overcomplicate so much. And I think that that's something that a lot of people do, especially when it comes to Lent. You know, like, I have to give up all these things. I have to do all of these extra things. I have to pray more. And like, yes, Lent is an opportunity to go deeper, but it's not necessarily an opportunity to overcomplicate everything. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I could maybe just do, just take prayer and we'll just take prayer and just deep dive into the basics of prayer. And so last week I went to Southeastern and Hammond to the St. Albert's Chapel and Catholic Student Center. And I talked with Father Taylor and Father Taylor and I sat down and filmed, I think it was a total of seven videos for Lent and they're incredible and it's all about prayer going back to basics father taylor did an incredible job i told him he's about to have a full-time job with me he's he's so good i don't think he knows how good he is whenever he comes to like talking to a camera but he went through you know what is prayer what is relational prayer um and then he did an amazing video on lecchio divina divina i cannot wait for people to see it i was standing behind the camera I kid you not, like, tears were welling in my eyes, because it's something to hear Mm -hmm. someone just go through the steps of Lectio Divina, like, praying with Scripture, but it was something else entirely to hear a priest actually go through and pray it. You know, like, he was actually praying through Scripture. It wasn't like, and here's step one, here's step two. Mm -hmm. He was really, like, he was praying while he was doing it, and so it was beautiful just to hear like, oh, like if you actually need a guide of what it looks like to pray and how humble and how simple it can be, it was perfect. And so if that gives you any, any teaser (laughs) of what's happening during Lent, I'm really excited about it. So. So
2: will you post those videos with Father Taylor Sanford on your social media accounts?
6: I will. Yes. So uh, Ash Wednesday, obviously, will be the first video. And then every Monday, for the whole like Lenten season at two PM the videos will come out. So get okay. excited. They will be there. I already I'm scheduling them now. They're they're done. I finished them yesterday. So yeah, they're they're in the queue. They're getting ready. So I'm excited for everyone. Oh my to see goodness.
2: Well, and the Catholic Student Center over at Southeastern's campus over in Hammond is so vibrant and alive. Um, Father Taylor Sanford is perfect for those videos. So we will definitely be sharing those so our listeners and viewers can go and find those out as well. Uh, Nicole, where can our listeners and viewers go and follow you guys on your socials?
6: So we're pretty easy, Facebook, Instagram. If you look up Diocese BR, you will find us. So it is very easy. We made it very easy. Diocese Br.
3: Nicole, real quick, do y'all have your own production uh, department now. I mean, with cameras and lights, or how did you go well, about so doing that? We have
6: Catholic Life. Yeah, so we have Catholic Life TV. Oh, um They okay. do all of the big programs and everything. But this was actually, I have a camera, and you know, for short videos, I'm like, I can, I can go film those. You know, so. <laughs> the, the videos nowadays on social media, you know, they aren't these long, massive productions. They're pretty short. I mean, right. five minutes is kind of considered long. Yeah. T- for social media purposes, at least. And so, you know, I just went over with my camera with some lights, made it happen, you know. Perfect. So, yeah. I mean, between Love between it. the two of us. Yeah.
2: Nicole, thank you so much. Nicole Jones with the Diocese of Baton Rouge. Stay with us. It is 45 past the hour on Wake Up. It is 48 past the hour. You have tuned your heart to the truth. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Damian Clotto. Dan Leroy now joins us. He's a Catholic author. And today we are diving into his book called Why We Think What We Think. Good morning, Dan. Thanks for being with us today.
1: Good morning, both of you. Thank you for having me.
2: Well, we're looking forward to getting those gears turning, if they have not already. It's a little slower, rusty, because I think your book will help us kind of dive into this insane topic. Why we think what we think? Take us through it.
1: Well, it's uh, essentially trying to fill a need that I saw, which is always, I think, what an author tries to do. I could not find a single-volume introduction to Western thought from a Catholic perspective, and so I set out to try to write it, and the story begins like a lot of Western culture begins in ancient Greece, and it goes all the way up through the present day. It is a story, and that's one of the reasons for writing this book is a lot of times when philosophy is dealt with, it's dealt with as a, an academic topic that's very disconnected. There is a story, though, a storyline that runs through it. It's not always a happy or an edifying story. But there is a story and I think we have to know the story to really understand the philosophy behind it.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, we know as Catholics uh, what is written in scripture or what is written in dogma and our catechism of what we think and what we believe. But culture kind of tends to, you know, take a stab at that and change our minds. So, Why is it so difficult to form opinions these days? And we're constantly arguing with each other.
1: We are. That's certainly true. And (laughs) a lot of the reason for, for writing this book is it's very tempting sometimes to believe that a lot of these problems that we've identified, including the one that you just mentioned, the fact that we seem to have no common ground for discourse, it's very tempting to think, well, this is a problem that started... 50 years ago, or a hundred years ago, or maybe even a couple hundred years ago. It goes back much, much further than that. And to really figure out why we have the problems that we have today, those problems are rooted in philosophy. They're really rooted in a decision. Speaking of that story of Western thought, they're rooted in a decision that was made gradually, but it began the better part of a thousand years ago, and that was to abandon Mm -hmm thought, and there are a lot of reasons why it was abandoned. It didn't happen overnight, but that is sort of the fork in the road in Western culture, and I think a lot of people would argue we took the wrong track there, and we've been wandering down that wrong track ever since, and it's a track that is really motivated by trying to liberate the individual. That's a long, long project, once again, that has its roots in philosophy. Where the road forks there, Western culture took the path toward liberating the individual. That has been the root of a lot of the problems in the culture and a lot of the problems that are described in this book.
2: Interesting. The one thing that... uh, that, Go ahead, Damien. I was going
3: to say, so Let's say a thousand years ago, or even fifty years ago, or two days ago, we come to the fork in the road. Why are we making these somewhat unvirtuous decisions?
1: Well, part of the reason we're making these unvirtuous decisions is that philosophers made it their project to make it easier for us to make these unvirtuous decisions, mm. and. Most unvirtuous decisions, I think we could argue, stem from the idea that the individual is sovereign and does not owe anything to anyone, and therefore, my happiness, my liberation as an individual trumps every other concern. And that is that the fork in the road, uh, mm-hmm. the better part of a thousand years ago, but also, as you say, It's happening right now, today, as we're speaking. But the root of those unvirtuous decisions comes back to a thing that the philosophers made their centuries-long project, which is to liberate the individual from every possible constraint, including constraints Mm -hmm. like responsibility to family, to community, to church, all those little platoons that Edmund Mm -hmm. Burke talked about.
3: So, so Dan, would you say some of these philosophers uh, were not attuned to God and his word, and they maybe were swayed uh, by the evil one?
1: I would say that, but I would also say that one of the tragic parts, and there's actually a lot of tragic parts in this story, but one of them is that many of the philosophers who took us down what I would say is the the wrong fork of the road, many of them were Christians, or at least professed Christians. Exactly. Some were mm-hmm. some were Catholic. Uh, they, I think, perhaps were well intentioned. But those intentions—well, you know what they say about uh, <laughs> good intentions and where those can lead you. Uh, at the time, I'm sure it looked perhaps like a good idea. Like we are actually liberating the individual, and the individual will therefore make good and virtuous choices. But I think if human history is taught as anything, it's that untethered from any other commitments, the human being tends to have a pretty bad track record when it comes to making Mm -hmm. virtuous decisions.
2: Well, this and so much more can be found in your book, right? Dan Dan Leroy is the author of the book, Why We Think What We Think. Where can our listeners and viewers pick up their own copy?
1: Uh, They can get it from the publisher, Sophia Press. They can get it from all the usual online outlets, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and anyone who would like an inscribed copy uh, very soon, because the book comes out, I think, February 20th, Very soon they'll be able to get it on my website, which is danleroy.com, and I'll be happy to sign up a copy and send it anywhere people would like.
2: Perfect. Thank you so much, Dan Leroy, for joining us today.
1: Thank you. It's been a great pleasure, and uh, have a wonderful
3: day, everyone listening. God bless you. You too. God bless you. My goodness. Wow. (laughs) I like this because it kind of gives you the insight on how we got to where we are and hopefully change those thought processes and immorality and whatever else takes place as to why we think what we think. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, time to wrap up the show. It's been a great week and also a fun, fast hour. Uh, We wish each and every one of you all a safe and happy Mardi Gras, to say the least, and we're going to wrap up with a prayer to St. Jerome Emiliani. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Lord, we thank you for giving us St. Jerome Emiliani as an example of holiness. Help us to imitate the virtue he showed in serving those who were suffering out of love for you. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen.
2: Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. A little programming update. We will not be broadcasting Wake Up Live on Monday and Tuesday of next week, but we will return on Ash Wednesday. That's next Wednesday. Also Valentine's Day. So we have a great show planned for you that day. Peter Finney with the Clarion Herald and the Archdiocese of New Orleans joins us to give us an update of what you'll find in that week's issue. Dr. Tom Neal, Chief of Evangelization and Mission Engagement, the Diocese of Pensacola, Tallahassee, will talk about Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday. What do we do as Catholics? Do we fast? How do we celebrate it? So we're going to be talking about all of that. And Brian Butler with the Echo Community will talk about dating on Valentine's Day as Catholics. So it's gonna be a great show. Have a wonderful Friday and a great weekend. And thank you so, so much to Jeff Blackwell, our audio director, and Karen Cotton, our video technical director. Have a wonderful and great, safe weekend. God bless.
1: is a production of Catholic Community
2: Media.